Welcome to Reflection Radio, reflecting on passion, performance, and perspective with each of our guests. All information and opinions stated on Reflection Radio do not necessarily reflect that of the producers or a Reflection Studio. No information supplied should be taken as or in place of medical advice. Please enjoy the show. Transitions well from like our previous conversation, um, expanding off of um, setting at the table with you demons um, mm. and kind of and like giving a context to that if somebody's listening to it and didn't listen to the previous one. Uh, so I have this analogy of like what we could potentially see as our flaws or like negative sides of self um, that are with us. Um, I have that analogy calling it setting at the table with your demons. And essentially what it's meant to be is a representation of an acceptance of those things that we might see as negative traits flaws or like self issues um, and have an understanding in that acceptance of like, these are things that are present and they're going to be with me. It's not something that I'm trying to control or chain down. It's not something I'm trying to go to war against or like win a battle against. It's something that I need to accept and like need to find a way to navigate through life that like we can, you and those demons can like come to a compromise or not like, yeah, to kind of compromise, to be able to um, stay in a like positive state or like an understanding of just an understanding and awareness of what those issues might be. So you can account for them. So you can accept them and you can work towards getting more um, like more in a healthy or like positive state, but without that awareness or without accounting for like where they're setting out with your table, either closer or further back um we can kind of lose sight of how to how to correct or like how it might impact us um and with that lack of appreciation acceptance and understanding of those demons like that's oftentimes where we'll see it play out more negatively in different aspects of our lives and we get more reactionary um instead of like responsive to situations and so like, so of our list of conversations, this is kind of one that um, I wanted to use the previous conversation to transition to is just uh, kind of talking about like what some of those are for each other. And like, mm-hmm. and if, if we've had time to like set with them and explore them and kind of seeing like where we might've noticed them at times in our lives or like why, where they might have had a like, um physical man manifestation that in reflection seeing okay like this is this is like one situation where it developed from or um or like yeah just kind of things like that and previously one that both of us kind of talked about was um was depression and like how how we both dealt with that how we've both kind of looked at it our different approaches of like awareness and everything and i think both of us could say that the response to that, like we had a lot of positive feedback. And so yeah, sure. explore like off of that one, moving on to like one or two more, um, mm. kind of exploring those more. I think it continues the conversation that it's not one thing. It's a multiple dynamic that multiple dynamic that we need to understand and know that like there's fluctuations of um, all those throughout like daily life and just us as humans. And so Mm -hmm. 
hopefully you're on board with that oh, one yeah. um, I, I can kind of i can go first and we can kind of play off of that yeah. so like one i think this kind of might have been revealed a little bit in uh the ingram test that we did and we'll that's on our list so we'll definitely have to do like a whole thing just over that and kind of diving into it a little bit more but like one of mine that i identified early on was um, I'm not super emotionally expressive and that mm -hmm. can be very difficult for people that can be difficult in like in seeing a lack of interest or like a like disregard of their emotions um, because like in response it's a lot like I'm a lot more communicative than expressive um, that's fair and so like it's helped me kind of understand that like that being one of the demons is like that's that's a hard one for people in understanding that or like how how they interpret it and so like having awareness and having a mindfulness of it that like I've had to try to get better at my communication skills to make up for the lack of like outward expression um so like I was kind of, I was thinking of some examples of like where this has played out in my life. And like one of them, I think unconsciously, I like wouldn't have been able to verbalize it or define it like this, but um, like throughout my childhood, I started, I started a thing and like anybody, like if family or parents or anyone ever uh, listens to this, doubtful, but um but like if they were to ever listen to it, so something I would do whenever I was younger, and this pretty much continued into adulthood for a long time till I got, till I understood it better and got more comfortable with it. But um, so at, like at Christmas, I wouldn't open presents in front of people because like in, and what I realized is it was a way to try to mitigate disappointment from them in me not being able to like express excitement even if I was mm -hmm. but like not not having that like large outward burst of excitement or like enjoyment or something like that so like it'd be it kind of became like a defensive mechanism to avoid like the feeling of letting others down by not being able to express what I thought that they were looking for wanting. And so mm -hmm. like oftentimes, like from a, a pretty young age, again, kind of carried through it, like just kind of follow them up, set them off to the side and like wait till I was on my own. Um, and, and yeah, so like that was one that, that I started thinking about that like manifested in a physical sense very, very early on of how I approach like approach and avoidance in that um mm -hmm. and then like the other side of it the counter to it is because of that or not just that instance but because of that lack of expression i've had to like oftentimes it's like gone towards more of a communicative means and like asking questions and like being able to do long-form conversations with people to get a better understanding of them to better get a better idea of like like kind of how what their like energy is or like what their expression is mm -hmm. to be able to explain my side of it of like 
using being able to verbalize what their outward expression might be and that's fair because it's like so did you find like just to kind of uh, just clarify i suppose when you're say opening a gift or you're having these long form like the discussions with people did you find it like because would you say facial expression wasn't there just body language of that expression is more what you're kind of uh, you didn't feel you were conveying as well as just the overall like attitude. I remember when we used to open gifts, for instance, I would, my family had the expectation I would go around and, and give people hugs for gifts, but I was like super anxious. So now I'm just forced to open gifts in an anxious state plus give people hugs. It's like, holy fuck. Like I don't want gifts at all. And I do this to this day. I'm just like, I don't, don't get me a gift. Cause I don't, you know, for maybe similar reasons, but like kind of coming back to you, did you find that to be something that um, you were unable to display it on your facial expression as well as just your acknowledgement to emotions and people were kind of disrupted by that. So you just wanted to protect them. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd say that that's exactly it is of like facial expressions of like physical expressions of mm. like excitement. Um, did, you and, feel, did you feel that, but you just didn't yeah. express it or was it just like, yeah, so like was um definitely was like would be excited would okay. like things and like would be very appreciative so it was never that i wasn't appreciated mm -hmm. or like didn't like it or like happy about it it was more so like it it came to the point of like i similar to your hugs like i whether it was or wasn't like at some point like i thought that that um there was an expectation of mm -hmm. expression in receiving this. And if there wasn't that it, it conveyed not being like conveyed, like not appreciative of what it was. And so it like, that's, that's kind of, I think where it came to head was, was like this, whether it was self-imposed or like at some point, like was reinforced through situations or something. Um, but like not being able to be expressive in a way that I thought there was an expectation mm -hmm. going the route of like avoidance was an easier way not to get in like the anxious state that you had to go and hug people in. And, Fuck, right? <laughs> and that's fair. Like, does it, does it manifest itself in other relationships in the way that you're like, never show them that you bleed like you know how like that's a mentality we carry forward in some instances like it to to not show expression in one way is it also to not show expression in the other to be like never show them they bleed or never show them your weakness like sometimes expression is a, is, a, is having expression is like you have it like it's something you have to and i faked it for a long time in my life um so so i kind of know where you're coming from and i think i can share some understanding of it. Um, but would you say that that, that also manifested through it is the, the don't show them you bleed kind of thing. So like, I don't think at least consciously, like it ever necessarily went that route of like, I have to like hold back. Oh yeah. Oh, sorry, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hold back or like never subconsciously that like I regulated mm -hmm. and like, Hey, I need to like, uh, I need to downregulate this or I need to suppress it. I think it's, it's more so like it might've manifested early on where like there's a self governor 
in my brain. And so, and it's never like, I'm never imposing that. It's kind of a prerequisite. And that's kind of like why I'm able to be more responsive than reactionary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, that that's just a one way that it fa- physically manifested was from that. I don't think like something like that was the cause, yeah. you know, kind of the chicken before the egg thing. I, I think it, it was something that was innately there and then just how, how it became expressed was through like through some of these different instances. Um, but, but yeah, I don't think it was ever, I don't think it was ever like something intentional where like, Oh, I had to be like, can't show emotion because that's not what men yeah, do no, or anything sure. like that. It, it was more so just like, I like, it's, it's not natural mm-hmm. to be expressive. And then kind of something like you mentioned, like you had to fake it for a long time. That's one thing like I was not able to adapt and do is fake it mm-hmm. like that. That's something like it kind of feeds into like one of those, like kind of a side demon or partner to this is like, like I can't fake an emotional response for shit. And and so like that's because of that have had to be like very very like this is what it is like this is what if you want to know what i think like here's what it's going to be and like i'm not going to pull punches or like avoid it because the alternative to that would be fake it and like it felt so even today like if i if i were to try to fake something it feels so disingenuous that like I can't allow myself to do that. So the alternative is uh, be yourself and don't be super expressive. And like, that's the thing is like, you're, you're right. It's inauthentic. It's harmful because you feel, again, you're falling prey to other people's expectations that you're probably creating upon yourself through the judgments you have against yourself based on the ideas of their expectations. Like it, it's, it's a, it's a full fucking turnaround of it's still your fault like and if people did expect you to do something fuck them like i don't know like that's that that sucks for them that really does suck for them and that's something i've had to learn um and and come to uh come to realize and and still struggle with this day because once you've done it as a child it's easy to just be ingrained and just try to do what you do you know forever i always call myself just a grown like a barely grown ass child like i'm just a big adult (laughs) of a kid um they're a big version of a kid we all are Oh, 100%. I don't believe that we're like, okay, you're 21 now, you get it. And I'm like, no, actually, I think people go through existential crises after that stage because people are like, wait, I get it? Oh, fuck, no one gets it. Um, So when you're talking about this, just because I kind of want to pull it back into it, would you be able to name a demon that kind of, or or like the, what would that, um, if you want to call it an emotion or a, a specific uh, demon in nature, what would what would that kind of be classified as? That's a very good question. I've never like I've never like tried to necessarily like name Think it their names. Outside, yeah, outside yeah. of just like like titles. And mm-hmm. so like with that one, it's like not emotionally expressive. Um, I've gotten better at identifying that through self-expression and i think that's where a lot of this comes is mm-hmm. you know throughout our life like these things these patterns develop unaware to us that like it it's i would say it's essential for us as like healthy growth and development 
to go and reevaluate and reflect on some of these things and like start unpacking them. And like to the point of it's, you've never completely unpacked it. Like you always have to go back through it in different stages of your life. And so the, like the more I go through it, the better, the older I get, the better understanding I I'm getting of it. Because at one point, like I would have described it as I'm not emotional and, and like that in itself kind of puts like puts a um, like a definite that was one of mine sorry um puts like a definition to like this is what you are and yeah and like there's you know for a long time like that's kind of how I identified as like well fuck I'm I'm not an emotional person but then like whenever there were those states of feeling emotion it's like well what the fuck is this yeah. like like this state that I have identified with it's betraying me because here's these things and now I don't know what to do with them. And so, and so like sometimes avoidance, right? If you believe you're not emotional, now you're going to avoid the dealing with the emotions because you couldn't have them because you're, you believe you're not. And then all of a sudden something happens. You're like, why am I so emotional? Yeah. You're not, what is this bullshit? Why are my eyes leaking? Like it's, and like, that's the thing is like knowing that you're not externally expressive does not mean that you're not internally emotional. Right? Exactly. And, and that's something I like just in myself of like how I categorize it or like how I like identify that demon. Mm -hmm. that's a change in title that I've made more clear mm -hmm. is because like, I'm not a sociopath. Like I feel things. <laughs> and I, I always bring this up with Nina and, and her sister also does, uh, went to school for, um, psychology and things like that. And, and sometimes we're very lost in the way, no offense. I think everyone, regardless of gender or anything has a way of expressing themselves. But I know if I was asked to express myself, to a female counterpart they wouldn't believe the way i'm expressing it is a true expression because i feel like we may do it in a different way as men right like i, I think we talked about this differently like being part of an army or being part of a you know just having a crew or that kind of stuff like you express it you kind of you talk about it it just it might not go into the depths or the lengths um of, of really digging into it so it's like sometimes you get lost in the idea of like oh well if i don't express it like they do on the movies it's like well fuck no that's not you find your own thing right so that's uh that i, I think that's really important that you were able to distinguish the difference between emotion and and actual expression yeah it's taking some time it's taking like a lot of like reflection and stuff like that yeah. but but yeah that that's um that's like one of like one of mine that like i I've identified a lot more through the different stages of my life and like have gotten a better understanding of it. And as like, as a counter to that, again, it's not something that like I have any expectation that like I'm going to become a super emotionally expressive person because like it's, it'd be disingenuous and that That's would always, are. That exactly. That would always like come out to me and I, it'd be even worse because like, then it would really show of like how much I'm trying to fake it. Um, but, but through that identification, through that acceptance, like finding, finding ways that I can still get my point across um, or like change that in myself with that expectation of others is through, through conversation and through expression. Mm -hmm. um, so like to kind of bring it back, 
with um, something that you mentioned with it is like you you've had some similarities in your past, but like you went a route of an ability to fake it until you make it. Like how how was that impactful for you? Like was there a time that that was that was beneficial and you were able to maybe even buy into it, or was it always that like an identifier that I'm faking this and eventually like it came the route where I can't do this anymore. Like this is disingenuous to myself and I'm not being, not being authentic in my interaction with people by doing this. That's a really good question. And I think there's a lot to unpack. And I know I've like, I think it goes with the stipulation that like, obviously I went and I was medicated since I was like seven or eight. Right. So when you're on medication, it does put a governor on your emotional capacity. And I think as humans, we're meant to feel like you said, you still had extremes of emotional ranges. You just might not have expressed them clearly through like physicality necessarily, uh, but they were felt. Sometimes when you have a governor and you're numb, that's going to change the individual. And you might, uh, one way I would achieve extremes of emotional states is I seek after them or I create them. And that's a fucked up way to live. Um, so knowing that it, there was, there's, I think there's many things to unpack here. There's that. So it's important to recognize that you are chemically a byproduct of emotion as well as an emotional byproduct. Um, as well as I think I was raised in an environment that was heavily, like no offense to obviously my mother or anyone, but I think when you're raised around people who utilize emotion as a key conveyor of, of, of how they're feeling without mm -hmm. regard for like the solutions that might come from those um, or how it might impact the environment around you, you you're kind of forced into the emotional realm just because it's like, this is how the people around you understand things. So you're kind of forced to be more emotional so that people around you can understand that. So in some ways I was, uh, now I feel more authentic because I'm less emotional. In fact, I'm pretty crass. Um, and that's not to say I don't feel emotions. I just, I, I kind of grow into that. So I guess also to answer, <laughs> yeah, right. That's the thing is like, I, I think there's, there's ranges of emotions. And I understood that when I'm on the pendulum and I'm swinging into either range of hyper happy or very extremely sad, neither feel really good, right? Both feel a lot like anxiety, like overexcited about pain or overexcited about joy is still overexcited. Um, so I, I try to stay out of those states by having reasoning and logic. And maybe that doesn't make life mystical, but it makes it pretty easier. I guess you could say yeah, it's practical. Realistic. That's the thing, right? And, and then that, and then when things do happen that are emotionally just truly beautiful, truly joyous or, or, or truly painful, I will feel those things, but I'll also have grown a capacity from not being so immersed in my emotions that I'm sensitive to them or desensitized to them, right? You just, you have to find that, that ground where you're aware. And I think awareness comes from the appropriate amount of sensitivity um, and the appropriate amount of reactive or responsiveness to it. Um, so for myself, being someone who, you know, quote unquote, faked it to you make it was one to survive in my environment. Um, but then two, also, that's what was kind of bred into me. That's kind of what I, by having to go to therapy so often and people making me talk about my emotions, it made emotions very much so a, a, this abstract that like, if you weren't paying attention to them, if you didn't give them your everything, 
then you wouldn't truly be able to express them. But later in life, when I actually talked to, instead of counselors, I talked to like clinical sites, they're like, no, you just want to make things a little less suck, right? You're, you're not trying to feel mm -hmm. better. You're not trying to get po toxic positivity. You're not trying to be like, oh, fucking Dalai Lama floating on a fucking mat or something. You're just understanding that like express what you need to express through both verbiage and the emotional release that we are human beings. And if you need to cry or you need to get angry and punch a punching bag, knowing where to put your emotion is more important than just arbitrarily releasing them, right? Like not in a cathartic sense, but in a way that you understood, no matter how I release this, it's not going to change the situation. It just might change my state in which I perceive the situation. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's very fair. And, and you know, to like kind of simplify that, it, it's, it's okay not to be okay. And yeah. like it's, it's taking, it's disassociating a good or bad to an emotion and just yes. allowing it to be what its natural state is of this is an emotion this is a mm -hmm. feeling and there's there's this wide spectrum and gambit of emotions and like each one has validity and mm -hmm. and like I, I think that's that's sometimes that we like it, it takes time at least for me to like come to terms with as well of like the whole like it's okay not to be okay but also like there there's not a positive or negative to these emotions they're just emotions and like it's a they operate in a natural state and like mm -hmm. the acceptance of feeling those is completely fine and like it's it's something that we shouldn't avoid because something that you mentioned like trying to avoid emotion leads to numbness and from like my experiences um, you can like yours, you would also be able to speak to this because you brought it up. But like for me, whenever it got into those states of numbness, oftentimes it was a byproduct of avoidance and like numbness is worse. Like, like I, I will take the extremes of those spectrums and kind of similar to you. Like, I don't want to live in either of those. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, it's a lot to be at the far end of either of those spectrums. And like, the ability to maintain either is impossible. And that's oftentimes mm -hmm. what we look to is like that understanding of like that extreme of one side of the spectrum, the extreme of the other, like that won't last and that's okay. But I can appreciate both these extremes because I know they happen in, they happen as counterpoints to each other. Mm -hmm. And that's the allowance of the appreciation because you can feel the full end of the spectrum. The it's harder- kind of like Sorry, go ahead. Keep going. I was just going to say the, the harder point I think is, is that numb state because that's the removal of emotion. And it's, it's a, at least for me in those states, it's been a lot harder to grasp that there's like a comeback in mm. that pendulum swing because like it's dead. You have no momentum going at all. And there's it's like, no air where air in your sails. Exactly. It's, it, you know, you get to the point where like within numbness, it's like, for you, it was probably some of the, uh, thrill seeking just to feel something like for me at times it was like fuck I'd I'd even like to be like extremely depressed yeah be like just like just have that feel like exactly it's and and that's what I think it gets to is like it's it's a feeling of like life and like a role in the universe or in the world mm -hmm. that like I feel present in this space because I feel whenever whenever that numbness comes in, it's kind of that removal of being able to operate in society or being able to 
operate within like within the realm of realm or capacity like of your life because you feel so disconnected with it Mm -hmm. and that's the i because of that because of that numb state you do learn to appreciate the extremes and i i think like i said i like to imagine my extremes to be extreme emotions come from extreme circumstances which warrant extreme emotions but i don't want to feel extreme emotions all the time that's fucking pretty extreme like that burns you out if you're chronically happy or chronically sad oh it's exhausting right and that's probably how you end up numb like I, like we talked about before like the permeance of sadness or happiness is actually an exhausting path to walk right like and, and we see that in today's world where everyone's like i have to the self-help the betterment it's like what happens if you're okay today and you just want to do you want to become something that doesn't mean that you're bettering it might just be becoming like maybe we all suck when we're born. We can barely fucking walk and not shit our pants. Maybe by the end we're we're automatically going to be better, quote unquote, um, and we're going to still dip into the same baby state when we're older. So really in our midlife, we should be less focused on, you know, getting ultimately better, be the best because we're all going to die, but ultimately be more understanding, empathetic, aware and growing in a capacity which can be turned better but it doesn't leave you vulnerable to the ideas that you're not, that you're lacking, right? Like that's, that's something I, I, I have always tried to, you know, rationalize with is like, I, I do want to be the best version of myself, but guilt might not make, get, let me get there. Like the term that you get, or like the, the way we say, you know, it's okay to not be okay. That is true, but it's not okay to stay in that state indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w- I would, I'd completely agree because I, I think like we, we've talked about this before, like that's like, there is comfortability in, in like that in there's comfortability in being okay, because there's, there's no risk, like there's mm-hmm. no need for avoidance of that because there's no risk to it. Yeah. Like you can, like, it's, it's unquestioned. It's just going about your day and like, okay i'm all right like but but it never pushes that envelope of betterment and i think like you said it it's it's the other saying i use like walk when you must sprint when you can like those okay days are walk days but like let's get sprinting and whenever we get to those sprinting days like take it as far and as long as you can because like that's where we're trying to develop that's where we're trying to advance or like get better like move the needle is on those sprint days Sprint days aren't going to last forever. We're going to have to walk because our ass is going to be tired, especially if we try to take, like, if we try to run this as hard and as fast as we can and, like, not necessarily, like, skipping steps, but, like, in in the development of, of you know, a project, of a business, of something like that, like, push it whenever you're feeling good, but just know that okay day is coming, but don't be reliant on staying in that okay state day um or like okay state because that's a compromised state of like an inability to push forward or continue to advance yourself and that's like grown intuitiveness like i think a lot of people are throwing around the word intuitive like oh it's intuition like i'm naturally going to survive in the wild nope that's not really going to happen so emotions are the same thing like if you're avoidant of them you're not intuitive of them Therefore, you're going to fall victim to them instead of being intuitively aware to be like, today, I'm not feeling my best. I might do a little bit less, but I'm going to not quit either. 
And then that I'm feeling really good today. I'm going to do some hard shit, the things I can't do on the okay days. It, and it's always like, I like, if we want to bring it into sports, even like uh, heart rate variability or like recovery. There's days I come in, I feel under recovered and I'm like, oh, and my, my, my day is kind of dragging ass. Like, I'm like, what the fuck? For some reason I've gotten into the, like, I, I check in and I'm like, do you feel physically well? Like, are you tired? Like, is your body like, or are you fatigued? Right. Like, are you, are you just kind of, are you worn down or are you actually like exhausted? And if I'm, if I've been mentally going hard at it, the first thing I'm going to do is just load a squat on my back because I physically, and you say this so well, when you say like tire of the body, exhaust the mind, right? Is am I saying that right? Yeah. Exhaust the body. Uh, free exhaust, the mind. Yeah. Free the mind. Sorry. I completely flipped that. And I was like, that's not what he says. Wait a minute. Um, but that's, uh, that's kind of what I do is like when I'm, when I'm mentally drained, I normally go into, you know, going against, you know, going for more physicality because I witness my strength and my mentality increases because I see the strength that comes out. And naturally, I just kind of build up a little bit more charisma towards myself, more confidence. It like hijacks my chemicals um, versus if I'm like physically exhausted. Those are days I can actually just let my body heal and just put my mental state into something that's not nearly as demanding. And, and it's just about kind of playing that game back and forth. I'm never exactly, quote unquote, completely resting as I am just giving my energy to what is going to reinvigorate me. And I think that that's an important thing. If you only have a little bit in your battery, rest might not charge it, right? Like what might charge it is the way you reinvigorate it, the way you top up another potential emotional um, or metaphysical kind of consideration towards your well-being, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I like, I like that how you stated that, that like, being able to re, I'm going to screw this up now, like refresh your battery. What's the word that you used? Reinvigorate? I don't know. Recharge? Yes, reinvigorate. Yes, I like that one. Um, so like the the way you reinvigorate yourself, that, that there has to be intention, like mm-hmm. you have to be intentive about how you're reinvigorating that. Because I, I do think like rest day gets oversimplified in rest is doing nothing and it's not it's it's a step away from what you've been doing and looking at how to apply the things that are going to reinvigorate you to get back into a state of work and that you know there might be times where that means let's go do nothing but it's not automatically go do nothing it's find something that like we can still be be active, like have that active recovery um, and like reinvigorate not only our physical state, but our mental state in preparation to getting back to a working state. I think there's, you have to acknowledge that you are, if you're resting, it can't make you feel weak, right? Like I I don't want to end my rest day being like, I'm exhausted. (laughs) Yeah, I'm exhausted. I feel like I did nothing we're not meant to do that. Like from human physiology, we're not meant to do that from human psychology. We're not meant to do that. Like, and I think that's where people, people that don't work hard. I'm one of them at times, people that don't work hard feel like minimal work is hard, but that's also means that you're really teetering on a shitty capacity, right? Like sometimes you got to push that envelope to really feel like you're in between when you do just enough to feel good is just enough. Right. But if you just like completely rest, put on Rick and Morty and order a pizza, it's like you might be able to do that every once in a while, but you got to check in with yourself and be like, is this an emotional consequence 
or am I just like taking a fucking day to myself? I don't know what you're doing. Um, and I like in these states, I like to use the wheel of emotion. Have you ever heard of the wheel of emotion? Um, I don't think so. It's like when we talk about emotions, we're talking about like happy, fear, bad, angry, whatever, right? They're just these big blocks of emotion. But like anger can be let down, humiliated, you're bitter about something, you're mad, you're you're just feeling frustrated. And then it goes back and then it, it takes another step and it goes a little more defined into being like if you feel humiliated, maybe you feel disrespected or you'd feel resentful or you feel betrayed or you feel, you know, hostile. Like it's like there's so many things we can elaborate an emotion to that are more specific. And I think you talk about verbiage so much that that's a, that's a place that's really healthy to go as being like, okay, if I have a greater, what is your Edgar Allan Poe, uh, Allan Poe, Poe, or Poe, Poe quote, holy. Ha, ha, ha. Um, it's uh, words have no power to impress the mind without the exquisite horror of their reality. Mm -hmm. So when I think of that, sometimes I think the more words we have, the, the greater we can express ourselves. I think if you came across horror in life, you'd want to be able to really be able to give it the due diligence of its, of its expression. You know what I mean? If that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. The, that ability to convey, um, I, I forget now who said the quote, um, but I've heard it so often now, but uh, it's, and I'm going to butcher it from the actual quote a little bit, but the, the limit of my language is the limit of my world. Uh, Shallow's used it several times. I forget who it originates from, but like it's, it's so true in so many aspects of like thinking of it from just like thinking of it out of outside of that, how that is so impactful of like, it's to me, it comes down to that ability of expression and contextualization yeah. that if if we're limited in our verbiage or in our language to contextualize these things to someone else then we have we're limited in understanding both of ourselves because we don't understand from their perspective and they won't understand from our perspective unless we can get get it across where now it's a a shared understanding of language that's where we can like where we can start seeing each other's or like hearing each other's perspective and like get to a like mutual understanding or can or like being able to add value to the conversation because we see both sides or understand both sides mm -hmm. that it's being brought from you really have to be able to there's no guarantee you see the same color blue I see. Like, I know everyone knows this. Like, it's just, we're, we're all in the same boat. It's just like perception is, is, is user basis, right? It's the individual. Um, so in some ways, every time we talk to someone, you kind of are talking to a bland man, asking them their, that, you know, to, to describe your favorite color. It's like, no, I don't know what that is, right? Like, I, I've never seen your color. I've never seen your interpretation. So if we don't have a lot to describe from, then we have very little to describe to. And that's, it's a dangerous place to be for sure. Yeah. And, and from your uh, example of the emotion wheel, I'm going to have to um, look that up to like better familiarize myself with it. But, but like a, a understanding of something like that, like having this, having this kind of Venn diagram of what our emotions are and what all it encapsulate, encapsulates inside of that, mm -hmm. um, that there's varying degrees to it. And it's not just this one thing we like it, 
it falls within the context of this, but it might, it might veer greater towards like one end of these things. Like, okay, you're mad. Does that mean you're hostile? Does that mean you're disappointed? I like that you use that example because that, because it expands the ability to verbalize and it expands that language of understanding Mm -hmm. that like we, it gives us something directly to point to and not, not just for ourselves in exploration and understanding, which I think they're like, it's always going to be a continual process, like forward progression, always in self, self-evaluation in like um, introspection that it's, it's always changing and there's a great dynamic to it. And we always need to be aware and always like need to go through these stages. But, but in understanding that, in understanding self, we have a greater ability to convey that to other people to help them understand our intention behind like potentially our, our actions, our mm-hmm. responses, our um, our reactions, everything like that. Like it, somebody else isn't going to understand us until we understand ourselves, and and having that having the language to understand self is not only going to benefit that individual, but benefit the relationships of everyone that individual works with or like interacts with. And that's the, like, if I say I am sad, well, one, I think we can all understand what sad is, but to say I comes with a very, very specific, distinct encapsulation of reality. And then am, that means that you're existing that perpetuates the idea of your current existence as I. So sad is the only thing we understand. We really can't share the other two attributes of that sentence to a greater unfolding of, of, of consideration. And that sounds like, holy fuck, that's a lot to think about. But it's like you, you really come when you really feel like you can't convey yourself across to someone. It's because you yourself don't know what you're conveying yet. Right. And that's like, you know, how many people, like it's, it's frustrating when people are like, oh, things are, you know, that's a cliche. It's like, yeah, because cliches are fucking true. Like that's yep. it, I know true. that you feel like you're better than them. But if that were true, you wouldn't have to hear the cliche. So it's like we're always very remiss to go simple. And then all of a sudden you bring up this complex point of like I am and sad. Then it's like it's not really that complex. It's talking about you are part of a greater society and that society expects you to you know relate to them but none of us are related in the in the same way that we experience things so we just need to always take that into a deeper consideration when we're talking to people and and when we're thinking about ourselves we have to understand that no one is going to understand you if if you no one can love you unless you love yourself like it's (laughs) it's uh, it's kind of true right like it's you really if you need constant reassurance from your partner fuck that really sucks for your partner right like that's that's a lot of it's really hard if it's like i i just want to love you i don't want to have to prop you up um and and that's a challenge and like those are real issues that are completely acceptable they're just not acceptable to maintain right the the, the awareness will help you maintain your well-being it shouldn't help you maintain the things that are hurting you yeah yeah we have to we have to move to to that state of understanding and and you know, to kind of use another cliche, like you can't be happy with someone else until you're happy with yourself. Like Mm -hmm. it's moving to 
like past a state of okay to a state of like understanding and then from that understanding like that's where we can expand out and be like be in those relationships um and not like not to the detriment of somebody else or in a negative self Mm -hmm. and like so i got a question for you so for happiness, like for someone to be like, okay, you're not going to be happy until like, I'm not, you're not going to be happy until you're happy with yourself. Does that come from getting to a place that you're so happy with yourself? Like in the sense that you've bettered yourself to a degree, or does it come from the acceptance of those demons? And that's where we're, because we're more aware, we're happier. Or is it because we, because I get, I think we want to bring it back around to that demon idea of just accepting sitting at the table with them. And is that not, inevitably how you create the form of of happiness you want is is kind of a yin yang balanced teeter totter of awareness for me yes that's how i would identify it is like the acceptance of that is like an acceptance of self and there is happiness in that Mm -hmm. um and happiness in understanding and feeling that pendulum swing in the emotions associate throughout the full swing of both ends of that spectrum um that's more so the state that i would speak to of like being happy with yourself is Mm -hmm. happiness and understanding not not maybe like a typical like identifier of identifier or description of like i'm happy so now i can be with somebody because like more so like through that acceptance or sitting at the table with my demons like i'm happy and knowing that like there will be a point that I'm unhappy that Mm -hmm. if, if I try to prop up a relationship based on one emotion, that emotion is going to be fleeting or I'm not going to be able to maintain it or pull it as a resource. Um, because emotions are finite resources that there's a fluctuation to them, similar to like how, how the ocean comes in and out, like the current's going to come in and out. Like, trying to trying to prop up or establish a relationship based on a foundation of emotion that's ever fleeting, I think is going to lead to disaster. And, you know, and we might be able to ride that out or fake it till we make it for some time, but like, I don't, yeah, it, it costs a lot of energy and like the backswing from that emotion or that energy expenditure of like faking of emotion is even greater and oftentimes like that's where we see that a negative response in a relationship that kind of sours it because we like we propositioned ourselves as as this state and like this is where everything got established and whenever we're no longer that state or whenever we were defined by this state like it's to your partner whether you know whether that's in a um like relationship of like dating friendship like whatever that relationship is more the general sense of a relationship but whenever it's been propped up on this is my understanding of what it is or like this is how it was established and that gives way it it potentially leaves an inability to like to maintain that if that was the only pillar holding it up, like it needs to be a like wider basis. And so, so trying to be reliant on happiness to establish 
being happy with somebody else, I, I don't think it's gonna, it's gonna hold up or there's longevity in that. Um, kind of bring it back, back to you, like staying on, like setting at the table with your demons. Cause I don't, I don't want to completely skip over. And I feel like, like we moved away from it, but um, kind of along that lines, is there, is there a, like a demon that you've identified with yourself and um, like had the ability to like reflect and evaluate like how you manage that or like where, where some origins to it might've been and like, and in that identification, like has it changed or has it adapted? Um, I'm trying to think of the one that is probably most poignant. And I think that, and that's the thing is, I think I've, I've sat with demons so long enough that they might, I not, I may no longer embrace them as my detriment. I feel like I've, I've gathered some usable opportunities of them, mm-hmm. right? Like I, when we talked about, when I talk about like the demon of cowardice, unfortunately he still holds quite a bit of my humility, right? There's, there's a point of, you know, some of these things hold trait attributes that um, inevitably prop us up and give us an opportunity to look at the world through um, specifics. So, oops, sorry. So when I'm thinking about this, I, I'm trying to think on which one kind of has the most poignant um, for myself. I think, I think going through and always faking it, I would normally sacrifice my identity to chameleon into other people, right? If that meant that I even, you know, anyone who listens to a podcast or come and sees me or does, if they were to know me in high school, I was a fucking idiot, like by my own distinction, right? It's, it's proper and it's true. Um, but I'd, I'd put myself down. I'd be the least of the lows. Like I'd be just a person who I want, I will give you the shirt off my back and I will also let you walk across my back and you can just have the shirt. Like you can do anything you want because I'm not worthy. Um, that is a place where I needed people to accept me. And that demon of acceptance is probably the most torturous. Um, I want people to like me so bad that I'll hate myself. And that was a very, very dark thing to have. And it sounds good. It sounds like, well, if everyone likes you, hopefully you'll like yourself. But that's that same thing. No, you need to like yourself. And then maybe people will have the authentic person to actually stick by. And and that's the thing is, I think if anything, that's one of the biggest demons that I think a lot of people struggle with. Um, But I, I think that's the one I sit down with most often to check in with who is who is my ego Mm -hmm. and then who is myself and they don't have to be like these metaphysical concepts. They're just me acknowledging that like, am I fitting a social norm? Am I fitting a social expectation that I agree with or that I've been conditioned to? And do I feel good about who I am when I do that? Sometimes I will. Sometimes you're like, no, I don't really care. This doesn't bother me enough to want to change anything about it. I don't have to be an abstraction of fucking society. I just, as we did the <laughs> Enigma test, like it's not, that's not really the deep down. I, I think that if I don't question these things, I might not know myself enough. And then those emotions will sneak in from me just perpetuating a cycle of nor- normalcy, um, but perpetuating what's normal, like, you know, agreeing to take part in a society that is sick is a sick thing to do, right? And you don't have to think you're better than society, but you have to acknowledge where you want to assume your position in society 
and understand where your morals, virtues, and, and, and specifics of your identity kind of stem from that. So as, as silly as it sounds, I think the biggest demon I have is, is, you know, I don't know how I would want to name it, but the idea that people need to accept me by faking it. How would I? Yeah. And, and like, I don't think that sounds silly at all. I think it, it's as humans, like that's kind of the whole thing of our existence is the ability to adapt to our surroundings. And, mm -hmm. and I, I think it'd be a lot more, a lot more commonplace of like that, that being some, but something that people fall into a trap of and maybe not, not have the ability like you do to self-reflect and never really get out on that and never able to like create self outside of how it's identified through other, like identifying mm -hmm. yourself just in the expectation of others. I think a lot of people fall into that trap and, and you've, you know, through this, through self-reflection, through being able to like, not even, not even needing to put a name on it, but identifying it. Like, I think that makes you more aware of like when you're doing something for self and when you're doing something to the detriment of self, because yes. it's, you know, even like, again, we're, we're going to have to do a whole thing on just the Ingram, uh, <laughs> Ingram, stuff and, Ingram, and, Ingram. Yeah. And like, just go off of it because like, like with that, there, there's nothing wrong with going along with society or, or like societal trends or anything like that, whenever it benefits you as an individual, like yeah. that's, that's completely okay. And so we don't always have to rage against the machine or like, oh, like, yeah. you know, don't have to like go against society for the sake of being against society. But like, I, th I think there is something to be said about the evaluation of like, is this benefiting myself or is this to the detriment of myself? Cause I'd assume that's probably where like in the adaptability of like wanting people wanting or even, you know, needing acceptance Maybe. from yeah. others. I, yeah. I should probably better identify that it, it's, it's a need. It's not something as casual as like, oh, I want this more. So no, like this is, this is something. So you don't accept me. I won't ever, I won't be okay. And that's fucked up to put expectations on your well being to other people's evaluation of you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and so, yeah, I, I think where I was kind of going with that is like, it's, it's kind of that, like using that as one of the lenses, it's like, am I doing this for self? And I'm seeing benefit of that. And like, that is why I'm proceeding the way I am as far as like, you know, engaging with this person or spending my time and energy to do this for this person, or is it to the detriment of myself where like, it is diminishing my like emotional and physical resources that I could better place those to someone else or like better place those in a di different circumstance that are going to be beneficial. Absolutely. And it's, it's hard. Um, like when we think about like, damn, like I used to be, I used to be like this damn the man kind of person. And I was like, oh shit, I'm a man. Like that's where I went with it is it's like, instead of damn the man, why don't I just recognize that I myself am a man that is able to maybe not change the world, but definitely change the way I perceive it. And if I can perceive it differently, I may be able to do due course and take action towards what I deem appropriate. That doesn't mean everyone's going to be on my side though. Anyone who does great things doesn't have agreeance on them. 
Everyone that does great things isn't great. Everyone that does great things doesn't even have a mutual argument that it is actually, in fact, great. But if it is to you, you should do it, right? Like this fucking podcast. Like, it's not like it's this huge, you know, I'm not doing it to be great. I'm doing it because this is valuable to me. Um, and even to like expand on this, it's a very, it, I think it's really hard to do. Like, I'm a huge fan. I don't know why I'm going to go this direction, but we're about to. Huge <laughs> fan, a huge fan of mushrooms. So I will do magic mushrooms at least four times a year just for this opportunity of lenses. I can mm -hmm. actually break away from the natural progression of this default brain network that goes through my brain of being like, this is Ian. Ian is a man. He owns a gym. He likes to work out. He likes to help people. And instead of that shit, you just get to go and disintegrate a little bit. And through that, you come back into this sense of reality, quote unquote reality, and you look at things from like, not abstraction, just at least unbiased enough to question your place in it. Not because it's wrong, not because it's right, but because it's something that through birth, through indoctrination of society, you've witnessed it as in fact part of the social reality, the norm. But again, the norm does not ne necessarily have to hold you hostage. And I think that's what those things have liberated. And it's not fun. Like, it's not like I'm like doing mushrooms, like fucking having a great time. <laughs> it's actually painful a lot of the times because you're like, oh, shit. Um, but in that, again, I, and it doesn't have to be drugs. I think people can do it through meditation. I think people can do it through journaling and self-reflection. Those are just things that I've done um, and, and continue to do and, and will do until I, I, I feel no need to or I see a, a detriment through that awareness. Like I did take a time away from it because I'm like, I don't, I don't need to do this on a schedule yeah. like it's just when you need it you need it so that was something that's very helpful and i like to put it out there because you're seeing it more in the literature you're seeing it more in the world um but it's not something i don't think anyone would assume i'd go for or say yeah and like i love the point that you're bringing up with it is like there's a difference between using something as a tool that is benefiting you and a dependency that is creating a vice needed yeah. because because like I, I would speak to the same thing of like um like i enjoy drinking whiskey and kind of twofold of whiskey like it it makes me a lot more social or able to tolerate social settings yeah, yeah, um yeah. and like it's how i spoke to before of like a like kind of a self-governor that's um that i have on like on the ability to like just speak more freely mm -hmm. uh, more like communicate more freely or anything like that it turns that down a little bit mm -hmm. so i'm a lot like i have a greater ability to like speak in depth because that's down regulated i'm with that like again it, it's being able to identify and knowing like this is something that should be used as a tool and not as a vice or ever dependent on it. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's actually something I played around with in, uh, in college to write papers because like it going through, like it just turned it down just a little bit yeah. where like it started free flowing in, you know, having to write these 10, 15, 20 page papers. Like there was always, like always a step of like, oh, we got this far. Okay. But like, let me like 
almost like edit it mm-hmm. as I'm going. Whereas that just, hmm, we're going to turn this down, got a little more creative. Yeah. And more, less apprehension. Like, exactly. More like a greater ability to like pull outwardly, pull outwardly in my writing to be able to implement it that I might have been more like more restricted to without. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, it was like, okay, I'm not using this to do all my homework or write every yeah. paper. It's like, I seem oh, to like to like, do homework more when I'm wasted. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. But, but, you know, like looking at that of, um, of like every now and again, it could be implemented, like maybe a couple times, like a semester it'd mm-hmm. be used or like they're like, I don't recommend this for people. I'm not a medical doctor. This is not medical advice, but there were times like still times that like I'll go through like, um, like having insomnia and like having states of insomnia. And there were times where, you know, a casual glass of whiskey, like help down regulate, like drinking it slow, like setting it up and using it as, as a tool. But with that, it's also, Hey, we're not drinking whiskey every night. to go to sleep, right? Like yeah, it's not, exactly. I always say that substance should create substance. It shouldn't create a substance, right? Like you shouldn't have to have the stance on it and reliance or anything like that. It should just perpetuate the natural occurrence. And then, and, and sometimes breaking those barriers down of just being like, oh, I broke that writer's block or I broke that sleep deficiency. Some, Push like, it away. That's it. Like sometimes it's it, it, like, it works on a chemical basis. Many of these things, it's not meant to be you know, anything more than just the perpetuation of a natural occurrence. But if you all of a sudden interrupt that natural occurrence by utilizing the substance to replace it, well, now it's not natural, right? And you're actually going to probably lose a lot of that thing that you enjoyed from the first part. You can see that with caffeine. You can see that with anything is the more you use it, the less you get from it. So. Yep, absolutely. So even with that, like it's, it's a self-reflection and introspection of like our dependency or usage of some of these things and being and bringing an awareness to the that like because that that is the difference where it tool it turns from a tool into a vice and oftentimes like these things are going to be related that that if like if i have this emotional association with what was once a tool turning it into an into a vice and I'm trying to avoid things, guess what? I'm going towards my vice because it makes me feel good. Yeah. And that's, and you know, I've talked to people in the sense that if you need to feel better, use something to feel better and then recognize what it is to feel better and how much you enjoy feeling better. But if you use something to feel better and you don't feel better, you don't get just to arbitrarily be like, well, maybe I'll do it again and I'll do it again and I'll do it again. No, that's not, you're beating a dead horse at this point. Yeah, exactly. So it's like the same thing is you give a tool to a monk or a hammer to a monkey, it can hit itself in the head or it can build a house, right? Like how you use a tool is completely conducive to how you consciously want to participate with it. Um, so it's, it, I say that my, actually, when I were in school, my, one of my professors was like, we use Facebook to like do all this. And a bunch of people were like, we don't use Facebook, like, you know, <laughs> university, just fucking whatever. And, uh, that's exactly what he said. He's like, well, that's the tool I use. If you don't want to use that tool, that's fine. You're just making it harder on yourself, but I'm not going to bend at your fucking will, right? Like you paid the money. How I do it is how I do it. And that's it. Figure out how to use, if you can't not get in Facebook arguments, you're probably not that great in the social setting anyways. So <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> it is really good. But yeah, man, no, that's all of these things are, are, are so complicated and it's just about finding the things that work for you. And, 
and not falling into like you know just just the the one thing you've done there's many things out there to help and uh, and find and, and i think conversations are one of them um but there's so many demons we sit with and i think it's really important as we go through just to acknowledge that they're there that you don't like i love the metaphor and just that I don't want any of my demons to sit at the table and also be a glutton, right? If we're serving, if we're serving drinks or we're serving food, I don't want one to be over drunk or overfed. It, it, it's about acknowledging that everything needs to be acknowledged, fed and, and cared for. You actually have to care for your demons if you ever want to have a good relationship with them. Yeah. And, and I, I like the point that you brought up earlier that like you, you've got to a point of such a great, acceptance and awareness of those demons that you don't necessarily see them as like negatives because you understand the full spectrum and concept that they elicit and like in different instances like how they can be both a like positive negative beneficial and a detriment but they encompass all those things mm -hmm. and like i like that you brought that up and and to kind of add to it the, the idea of serving your demons but like not indulging them to the point that like they've now taken like they should not be running the show they shouldn't no. be at the head of the table like serving it up to everybody else because things will go downhill very very quickly but but going in like just again that acceptance that appreciation that understanding that like these these things are a part of you and there's depth to them that they they don't necessarily define you because mm -hmm. there's a fluctuation in that depth and in how we call upon them or like how they are presented is is multi-layered and very dynamic and ever changing in the stages of our lives but it like it starts with us because mm -hmm. we're we're the ones that have the ability to to reflect on it, to make the differences or identify that and approach it a different way through that identification. But until we have that, until we really sit with ourselves, until we like start naming them and must, until we start like, until we start understanding which ones we're feeding into and which ones have become gluttonous, we can't make a change because we're not aware of it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's a, uh... And I don't know how to simplify it, though, because like that's the thing is I think as we get into this, having the distinction, having gone through it, if you were someone right now listening to this, you'd be like, what in the fuck are these guys talking about? Like, how do I well, who am I sitting with? What do I do? Yeah. And it's and it's I always say that you kind of have to be the observer, like you kind of have to sit behind your thoughts and watch them go by and be like, who thought that? Because I think of my demons as individuals that live within my mind, not the multi voices, but the idea that my brain is going to observe reality, construct a narrative, and it's going to pass through consciousness. But depending on my state of being, my mood, my breathing, if I'm in parasympathetic states, if I'm whatever, how many ways you want to look at it, I also can believe that there's there's a, almost a demon filter where if I'm thinking something, it's almost like, jealousy or a, or a negative emotion it's it's important to just step behind it as a thought and be like i as myself behind this thinker of this thought don't like to feel jealousy i don't feel a need i don't have an insecurity that merits this quote-unquote jealousy 
So I, therefore, am not jealous. But my brain has, in an instance, had a careening thought of jealousy. Enter my brain spam. And I choose not to accept it. And through like kind of picking, and it's kind of cognitive behavioral therapy. Again, you're not you're not withholding. You're allowed to be jealous. You're allowed to feel anything you mm -hmm. want. Um, but you're just being able to recognize that like, make it a little less suck, right? Like make it a little bit less extravagant, right? Simplify as complex as these things are. Simplify the way that you just step behind yourself. You witness a thought as something of abstraction, not of your volition. And through that, you're able to open the doors of conversation with your demons just by understanding that like you snuck one by me buddy you got up and you came to the head of the table whatever it is right is, is that a fair way or how would you represent it in a value that if people are listening they're, they're going to be able to kind of put these concepts into action yeah and and i think you like you simplified it very well and i'll kind of build off of that because I, I think it is the context of the whole of this conversation that we're now trying to like filter down to like a takeaway point. Um, first off, I, I think we need to like, I'll bring up a couple points that we've highlight or highlight a couple points that we've brought up here that I think one thing we need to look at is the, the quote used earlier. Like I'll use a couple of the quotes and kind of bring it back that the quote used earlier of the limit of my language is the limit of my world. And so pairing that with the, emotional wheel that you mentioned is like getting a better association of the depth depth or complexity of that emotional reaction that you're feeling i think adding to that and understanding like okay this is this is what it starts out is it more of this is it more of this and like kind of start pairing down to get to like more of a simplified or more of like an exact identifier of what that feeling is i think that's one way that like we can simplify or start exploring this or anybody that listens to it that are, is trying to take actionable steps i think expanding what that language or vocabulary is of identification and then also the quote um like the quote the poe quote that i have tattooed words have no power to impress the mind without the exquisite or of their reality mm -hmm. to me why i like that because all words are made up mouth motions, but it, it's the association of value that we put in the context of our brain to those words. And mm -hmm. so whenever like we, we talk about like respond, like getting to a state of response instead of reaction, I think reactions, like even though they're an end point, like they're, you know, that they're, that physical state that now we see like stepping back from that like whenever it's happened now going back and looking behind because okay this is like this is the emotional reaction i had mm -hmm. why did i have that where does that come from and that's where we can start kind of going down into the simplification of actionable items or like actionable approaches is off of that off of that reaction or even an evaluation of like a previous reaction we can start looking through that a little bit to start identifying like what is an actual like do i actually feel like this is this an actual demon or is this just like a natural emotion that i don't really put value into and it goes away but having like like you said stepping back and being able to like takes several steps i think that identifier point though has to be like 
where like where is our emotion guiding us Mm -hmm. and then from that emotion that's where we have to start evaluating and that's where we have to start going layers deep and that's one of the reasons i have that quote is because like the exquisite horror of their reality like things hit harder or more impactful when they're true mm-hmm. or whenever we think they're true and so like whenever like whenever like if somebody classifies you as something if if you identify yourself as that like that's where we need to start identifying or that's where we need to take steps back and work towards what the root of that might be yeah no that's very well put and it's and it's challenging right and like those are very applicable steps and i think it's important to note that like for for myself i'm not a balanced individual when i think of like going to a circus it's a balancing act that i'm watching right like everything is a balancing act you are taking action to balance these things right it it is an involved process so being able to like distinguish where and when to step back is is huge and even just like coming to the recognition on how that actually is done is uh it's like you need like a touchstone like we like people teach breathing all the time right so mm-hmm. it's like monitor your breath is it shallow like having a touchstone to come back to and recognize that you may be out of a state of control and you use something to bring yourself back in or what was the inception when they had like the top and all that kind of stuff something to bring you back to the mental capacity in which you need to kind of modulate that that specific pattern of thought um you know we're we're going longer so i don't don't i just want to ask you actually one thing though do you have one of those things Yes. So like you bringing up that, like in, in inception, the, I forget what it's called now, the, yeah, whatever that top is, but I, I do have one of those things and it, it manifests physically. Like I, that's why I, I think a greater awareness of physical states, because oftentimes they are a reaction to something. Mm-hmm. And so, and like, even though that might be the inciting instance that we understand or like that it's contextualized from that Mm -hmm. that's where we need to start stepping back and and it doesn't have to be too extremes it can be like smaller notions of like you were said even an increased breathing state or like Mm -hmm. an increased level of like anxiety like that's where we can start pairing back but i i think we become without that without being aware like those people that are trying to take actionable items like that's where we can look to is those physical reactions because it gives us a clear and distinct pathway to start regressing back from in our self-evaluation um so one of those that i that i actually have and sometimes uh sometimes it'll show up in like a video every now and again of me lift um so what all like just instinctually what I started doing and then later on because of the like physical response of it I I identified what it was like I'll go through and snap to maintain a like central focus in mindset Mm -hmm. in preparation for like something physically demanding Um, like like if I'm about to hit a heavier hard lift oftentimes I'll go and snap like that just down at my side or casually like not bring a lot of mm-hmm. presence 
but similar to like a dog clicker, I think, think like I just trained myself just like by, by like unconsciousness, but what that does, it gives me a single focus in preparation for that. So my mind's not wandering. Like I'm zeroed in on one thing. And that one thing is that sound. And with that sound, there's an association of being able to maintain a mental state Mm -hmm. um, and not lose that from input or like any stimulus of my surroundings. Um, Because like, that's the other thing with like, with trying to maintain a, like a mental state, sometimes a darker mental state, like Mm -hmm. it's something that I don't want to be in long. And I'm very, Mm -hmm. very intentional of getting out of it afterwards because it is a tool that I use but like that physical manifestation of a snap allows me to focus in on that noise and that limits the option to get out of that state because now it's just that one thing and like Mm -hmm. everything else closes in everything else kind of go like dead to the world like there's music going and everything I hardly listen to it, but like it's background noise becomes white noise and through that singular focus or like tunnel vision, it allows me to maintain that mental state unbroken and like, like undistracted for the time that it's needed. Yeah. That's very cool. And I think it's important to find those things. Um, that's, that's amazing. Very well put. And I think that's exactly what it is. It's like, it is kind of like a dog clicker. Like it is training is training, right? Like Mm -hmm. it is, you're training your body to become more aware of these stimulating factors so that it can hone in. And, uh, you know, some people do tapping, some people just do different stuff. So those are really good take home points. And I think that like, even for myself, it's just kind of that, that, that reminder and recognition of like pulling those things out and utilizing them. Cause that's the thing is you can have main tools and toolbox you want. If you don't open your fucking toolbox, well, that's cool. You got everything without execution. You're the worst handyman. So I think that all of this is so applicable and so poignant. And I just really appreciate everything you always bring to it because it, it's for me. And obviously we, we get to uh, reinvigorate the battery. And uh, I also have heavy squats today. So it kind of is a, it's, it's both. So there we're go. going to, uh, <laughs> we're going to definitely uh, kind of wrap it up here. And just again, thank you, my friend. And we're going to have to get you, well, you got 30 days of podcast coming up. So we got to get you on here a little bit more. Sure. So keep bring in these conversations because I'm so I'm, I'm so thankful for them and I know already people have uh, have said how great it is to have you on so yeah I mean like I don't I don't want to lose sight of like it's mutually beneficial like I I'm very very appreciative of these and I get as much out of them as hopefully you do um, yeah. it's always a fantastic conversation um, anybody that's listening to him hopefully like conversations like this like if if you don't have the language and you're limited in your world to have it or like you don't you're not able to like have these conversations hopefully this is a starting point that like an actionable item is even listening to something like this and bringing awareness or bringing that self-evaluation to start taking steps to it um and each time we do these like that's what it does for me is like i go back through and i'm like oh i really i gotta think back on these i gotta like re-listen to this i gotta evaluate things and and we're, there, we're definitely not talking from a higher place point. We're, 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 we're victims of, or, or, or creators of these issues as well in our own, or in our own lives. We're just, we're just talking about them. Oh yeah. We, I, I think both of us can agree. Like we've defeated none of these things. There's like, some hypocritical they're, they're shit. They're still here. very, very <laughs> present. Yeah.
but um but yeah man i i appreciate these conversations i'm looking forward to um doing more of these uh yep putting it out into the world now into the universe at 30 podcasts in 30 days in june so i better get on uh starting to like schedule some of these out but um yeah i will be depending on you for some of those um and Always. looking for looking forward to um some of the co- uh conversations that have even spawned out of this one i think i think we have a lot more depth that we can go in that is spiraled from some of these and some of our outside conversations absolutely well thank you so much my friend we will uh be talking to you again very soon i know and uh yeah just have yourself a fantastic day all right you as well sir i appreciate it and looking forward to the next one Thanks for reflecting with us, man.